Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast on the 3rd of March, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank, the podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. Check them out at ffbt.com. Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller coming up on the news today, introducing you to the new director at the Indiana State Department of Agriculture. And you'll hear soybean farmers' message to D.C. on farm bill priorities. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin breaks down how storms may spread through Indiana. And the ag markets yesterday mixed as soybeans rallied again. Mike Silver analysis on the Who's Your Ag Today Friday morning podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Leaving the farm to lead Indiana's Ag Department and what Indiana farmers are pushing for in this year's federal farm bill. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Well, the big news this week in Indiana agriculture is the hiring of Don Lamb as director of the Indiana State Department of Agriculture. Lamb made his first official appearance as director during the Shelby County Ag Promotion Banquet Wednesday night in Shelbyville. And that's where I caught up with him to ask him more about his new role. I love farming, and I still do. I don't have any desire to leave the farm for any reason, so I had to have a good reason to help me want to do that. And that's Don Lamb, the new director of the Indiana State Department of Agriculture, who farms with his dad and brother near Lebanon in Boone County. Lamb says the opportunity to help lead Indiana's ag department was something that he had to think about at first. You know, honestly, it started with a phone call. I uh, received a phone call, said, would you want to consider doing this? And, uh, you know, as a farmer, I think my first response, in my mind at least, was, well, I couldn't do that. But the more we thought about it, prayed about it, talked about it with our family, we decided that it was something we could do. And uh, the more we uh, went through the process, things seemed to fall in place. And, and I think I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. Even though Lamb's first official day on the job isn't until Monday, March 13th, he says he's already hit the ground running. And that includes working with the ISDA team on state and federal legislation that impacts Indiana's ag industry. One item that ISDA has been pushing for is additional state funding for the Indiana Grain Buyers and Warehouse Licensing Agency. I mean, it makes sense. It's a great program. It's it, it's what provides security to our farmers. It's kind of like the FDIC in a, at a bank. It's what gives you security to know that your, your grain is safe where it's at. It's really important. And yes, it does take funding. And, and when you think about it in terms of what's happened with inflation and commodity prices, it makes sense that it's going to take more funding to keep doing what we're doing. Lamb says he's also excited about helping to grow Indiana's international ag exports and advocating for Indiana's ag tech industry. We're eighth in the nation as far as exports. So for a state that's 38th in size to be eighth in the nation for, for ag exports is really, really strong. And so these are exciting times to be involved in agriculture and Indiana has positioned itself so well with biotechnology that we're really on the, the leading uh, edge of that. So it's exciting and I think it's, it's going to get stronger and stronger. Lamb admits that leading a full team at ISDA and representing Indiana's ag industry is certainly a lot different than working with his family back on the farm. For me personally, this is a major shift 
in my lifestyle. <laughs> so the challenge is going to be for me to adjust a little bit from the farm to the city, but I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. And I really want to be somebody who people can reach out to and somebody who um, really takes this role seriously just as an advocate for agriculture. Read more about Don Lamb, the new director of the Indiana State Department of Agriculture at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, Indiana farmers have been meeting with your lawmakers this week in Washington, D.C. Eric Pfeiffer has more. Shelbyville farmer and American Soybean Association director Phil Ramsey has been meeting with the Indiana congressional delegation throughout the week to discuss ASA Farm Bill priorities. We talked a lot about the farm safety net for soybeans, which PLC and ARC mean to raise the target price and update our base acres. We had a lot of discussion there. Uh, trying to explain exactly what that is, is within the Farm Bill. Other priorities include protecting crop insurance, accessibility of conservation programs, and maintaining the voluntary incentive-based approach. Also building opportunities for biofuels and bio-based products, and growing investments in the promotion of U.S. commodities globally. Of course, China's been taking a third of our soybeans, and we have kind of a rocky relationship now, and we need to keep developing new markets uh, around the world. The existing farm bill is set to expire at the end of September. Ramsey says there's optimism out in D.C. that it could actually be done in a timely manner. Well, everybody we talk to is, seems to be optimistic that it can be done, or at least their goal is that it will be done before the end of the year. Might not be September, but they think it would be by the calendar year. Speaker uh, McCarthy has expressed that he wants a farm bill signed this year. Steve Howell, Senior Director of Industry Affairs for the Indiana Soybean Alliance, is in D.C. with Ramsey. He says getting the farm bill done on time would be great, but... Our priority, of course, is going to be good policy for soybean farmers. That's why farmers need to join the Indiana Soybean Alliance as a dues-paying member. That's how this work gets done. That's how their voice is heard in Washington and in Indianapolis. But we've got to carry that member voice out here that we need good policy. We do want it done on time, but we have to have good policy in the Farm Bill. Issues outside of the Farm Bill were also discussed with Indiana congressional members and staff. We'll have more on this in the coming days here on Hoosier Ag Today. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. And I'm C.J. Miller. Who's your ag today? Indiana's most listened to farm radio network. Your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be. That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Act Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. Storm day here in the Hoosier State. We had winter storm watches out yesterday for northern tier counties. Uh, We're seeing some of those switch over to warnings here. Definitely seeing very inclement weather in lower Michigan. But here's what's going on. Low pressure kicked out of the central and southern plains overnight last night. It's heading northeast. Rain will be what we see predominantly over central and southern Indiana. All rain. 
it's the northern part of the state that gets real interesting, most particularly the northern quarter of the state. I think you get toward the Michigan line, we see wet snow coming out of this, and it could be formidable. Then you've got rain mixing with, trying to change over to wet snow a little bit farther south. Then all rain as you get closer to the U.S. 24 corridor. Just a mess overall. Too much moisture. Liquid equivalent, whether it's all rain, rain snow, or all snow, liquid equivalent's going to be one to two and a half inches so it's sloppy it's going to be muddy it's just a mess really the snow comes down to the coverage that we see on roads and I think right now that's not going to have much of an impact in many areas again those northern tier counties could be a trouble spot going forward we're seeing much colder air for the weekend Saturday Sunday but we're drier as well seeing clouds give way to sunshine into Monday moderating temperatures produce a little bit of hit and miss light rain shower activity a few hundreds to a tenth or two is what we're looking at generally 60 percent coverage then we are partly sunny and dry Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Day. Late next week on Friday, another system coming from the southwest, likely bringing rain. At this point, we're going to say a quarter to one inch potential coverage right around 100 percent. I'll call it 80 percent of the Hoosier state. So still seeing a fairly active moisture profile picture going right on into mid-March. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. Soybean futures lead the way. This is Hoosier Ag Today and the Thursday Farm Market Review. I'm Andy Eubank. The review brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct, the only independent seed company at Commodity Classic next week. Call them for upfront corn, soybean, wheat, alfalfa, and herbicide pricing. Soybeans strong, corn followed, but then fell off. At the end of trade, I checked in for thoughts from analyst Mike Silver of Kokomo Grain. Soybeans today are providing leadership, uh, and that's a good thing. The uh, the export sales numbers that came out this morning were just absolutely unimpressive. Um, corn number at 598 was less than last week's 823. The soybean number at 360.7 versus last week's 544.9 and the wheat number at 284.1 versus last week's 338.8. So really unimpressive export sales numbers. Yesterday, uh, corn use for ethanol in the EIA report uh, was down uh, 2.64 million bushel uh, at 101.86 million bushel corn used to make ethanol. So um, two days worth of just unimpressive really corn usage numbers uh one for obviously yesterday from the ethanol and the export sales numbers today uh unimpressive leadership from the soybean market uh did keep uh, did keep prices supported in the corn market uh early in the session but we've given up here uh as we head toward the close here uh, a little later uh some weakness but the soybeans are holding their strength the uh the precipitous meltdown from last Thursday uh, just absolutely has wreaked havoc on the uh, corn chart. We're below the 20, 40, 50, 100, 200-day moving averages. Uh, we haven't taken out the low that we put in yesterday, and hopefully, 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 that we can hold that low and see some uh, upward price retracement as we closed out the month of February on some profit-taking, and, and hopefully as we move now here into March. We'll see a little bit of seasonal adjustment and see see us re, see some price recovery. 
Uh, obviously, uh, the fall in prices has called a, caused uh, quite a lot of angst amongst producers, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, we've come we've come down you know, quite a bit in prices since last Friday, and um, those um, obviously uh, the price declines are not being taken uh, really well. Uh, May corn's down now about 16 cents. Uh, the May beans are down about a dime and the wheat, the wheat market has actually come back some, uh, but we're still down from last week. So tomorrow's uh, price action is going to be interesting to see how we close out the week. But uh, it's, uh, it's been a, a painful week to say the least. Uh, is there no hope? I'm, I'm being asked that question a lot. Uh, by the folks I talk to, and, and and I'm not ready to say there's no hope for better prices than we have today. I th- I think there honestly is. Um, you know, it just we've had just a string of bad news, or not maybe not necessarily bad news. That that Outlook Forum information has been known for a long time. It's just uh, it was discussed a lot, and you know the other thing, Andy, that's that's really complicated things is the fact that. The commitment to traders report that comes out on Friday that shows the the position of traders as of the Tuesday of that week. Um, you know, we we received the January 31st data last Friday, and tomorrow we're going to get the first Tuesday in February's data from the CFTC report. What does that mean? Well, it means that other than the daily players sheet that comes out, which are uh, Futures Commission's merchants' estimates of traders' positions, and in particular, the the commodity funds' positions, uh, is the only data we've had. And um, that has caused some angst uh, and some concerns uh, to a lot of people, including me. Um, That information is valuable to the market. And, And when you think about the trading algorithms, that are heavily involved in commodity trading, you know, they incorporate uh, the, the 20, 40, 50, 100, and 200 day moving averages. They incorporate the uh, commitment to traders data. Uh, and, you know, we, we've probably skewed the market, in my opinion, lower than it needs to be uh, based on some lack of transparency. And I've been pretty vocal to anybody that'll listen to my opinion, and it is my opinion, uh, but there are others in the industry who boast, boast the same opinion. Uh, funds definitely were building their long position in corn and soybeans based on a number of factors, including the, the problems in the Argentine and Brazilian uh, crops, uh, the weather problems basically in Argentina, and the harvest problems uh, harvesting soybeans in Brazil and getting the Safrina corn crop planted, uh, all concerning. And, and, and those factors are still in play in the marketplace, and, and we still need to keep an eye on that. Uh, but everything came together along with all the uh, geopolitical issues between the U.S. and, and uh, Russia and the U.S. and China, and most importantly, Russia and the Ukraine and the uncertainties there um, that, you know, basically what happened was the funds decided that they were long enough for 
the time being, without much change in fundamental information, except our lagging export business, uh, and decided to start liquidating some of their positions. And when that happens, uh, as funds are our friends, uh, when prices are going up, uh, and they're adding to that length in their fund positions in corn and soybeans, the opposite was true. Uh, just the uncertainty and with lack of data and with the perception that they were long enough, they started to sell, and uh, it just has accelerated. Now, is there hope? Yes, there's hope. Um, the, the thing about it is, as the funds have liquidated some of their length in corn and soybeans, it does give them some capacity if they get a stimulus, a catalyst, that they can start adding back to those positions. And that's where everybody that's a market participant, especially our producer listeners, uh, need to pay real close attention. And on rallies, and I honestly believe we will see some rallies, uh, prices probably won't recover as fast as they declined, unfortunately, but we will see some price recovery. And those are opportunities. Those are really, truly opportunities to wrap up the sales on the, the corn and soybeans that we harvested last fall and to really watch closely uh, for opportunities to sell new crop corn and soybeans that we're going to start putting in the ground here uh, within the next 60 days. So stay alert to opportunities is my advice. Take a good hard look at your position, how much grain you need to sell in both the old crop and new crop. Take advantage of opportunities. And remember that we have now completed the price discovery process for crop insurance. The February average of December corn futures came in at 591. That compares to 590 last year, so a penny better than last year. The volatility factor is less than last year, so the premiums per acre for uh, federal crop insurance will be uh, will be less than last year. The soybean number came in at 1376 with a volatility factor of 13%, and that compares to 14.33 and a volatility factor of 19% last year. So soybean uh, per acre premiums this year will be less than they were last year uh, for the soybean. So and those crop insurance decisions need to be made by March the 15th. If no action is taken, uh, the policy is a continuous policy, and the coverages that you had last year, our producers had last year, they'll have this year. So we've got 13 days to get that business taken care of, uh, along with evaluating that position, getting some open offers in the market, and staying alert for opportunities. So it's not over till it's over, Andy. You've heard me say that many times. It looks like it could be over, but uh, I honestly think that we'll see some price recoveries uh, from the levels that uh, we've traded uh, low here, unfortunately, uh, very recently. Thoughts from Mike Silver of Kokomo Grain. If you'd like to talk things over with him, phone 800-666-0613. Now the settlements up and then down in the corn market, near even by the end of trade. May corn going two cents lower at 633 and three quarters. July finishes at 624, down a penny and three quarters. December, though, 570 and a half. That was up a penny and a quarter. Higher all day in the bean market. May settles at 1509 and a quarter, 15 cents higher. July up 13 and a half, 1498. 
and May wheat seven twelve and three quarters, a gain of two and three quarters. The meats traded lower by the end of trade. April live cattle one sixty four ten down a dollar two. April lean hogs down a dollar ten eighty three eighty five. And those are the markets from Thursday. I'm Andy Eubank. This is Who's Your Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.